Hello and welcome to This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. I'm Scott Interante and today we are joined by music supervisor Rob Lowry. You may know his work from TV shows like The Bull Type, The Gossip Girl Reboot, or movies like Do Revenge, Wendell and Wild, Bros, and one of my favorite films of last year, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, and many, many others. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you both for having me and thank you for such a nice intro. Oh, yes, of course. Well, maybe we could just start with how you got into doing music supervision. My first job, I was actually a PA on a talk show, and I always wanted to do music supervision, and I knew that kind of the next step was getting over to the scripted side and kind of starting to meet people. And I, I was in the writer's office on Parenthood and Friday Night Lights with Jason Kadem and became friends with a lot of the writers and would you know read their scripts and make them mix CDs. And I would sit in with editorial and kind of like learn about that process behind the scenes. And one of the editors on Friday Night Lights, uh, this guy Jeff Israel, introduced me to a friend of his, Emily Ting, who was producing this kind of small indie. And I ended up doing that film. It was called The Kitchen. And that was my first film. And that was like maybe 11 or 12 years ago. You know, I've been lucky where from that moment, I've ended up working with like so many of these people that I met through Parenthood and Friday Night Lights. And even Emily, who was a producer, she's now directed several films. And I actually just finished an HBO Max movie with her that she directed. So it's kind of amazing to see those buds of those relationships kind of grow over the last decade. Yeah. Well, I- I'm curious to go even further back, you know, when you were growing up, like, do you come from a musical background? Did you play in bands or were you just like always a fan of music? I was always a fan of music. My dad's a musician. I tried to play guitar and sing and both were very, very bad. That doesn't stop a lot of people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. And to be honest, there was a reason that I was like singing Connor Ober songs because I feel like my yeah. voice was on the same level or something. From middle school, really, I was like making movies thinking maybe I want to be a director. A lot of those things I was making were just like silent films that I was putting music to. Yeah. And so it kind of, in hindsight, it seems very obvious where my where my passions lied. And the same way that when I was in elementary school, I was like making mixtapes for friends' birthdays. Like I still see what I'm doing whether it's working on a film or show or making mixes or whatever it is like it's 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 just another medium for storytelling and it's certainly a more supportive medium in terms of fulfilling the vision of a director or a showrunner or whatever but it's kind of to i think this is like a quote from high fidelity i almost just said it as if it was my own um but <laughs> <laughs> i think the quote is something like it's a delicate thing using other people's art to express yourself or something first of all you're using someone else's poetry to express how you feel this is a delicate thing it's like a mixed media collage or something where you're kind of using other people's things to patch together this new thing yeah well i think that's what's so interesting about what you do you know this show is primarily about musical taste and why we love the music that we love and you are someone who obviously as a person as a fan of music you have your own taste and your own things that you love but then as a music supervisor you are working to fit that taste into a specific narrative or telling a specific story you know how do you go about balancing your own creativity and your own taste with what the project needs yeah i mean that's a really good question and i think it's one of the more kind of difficult things to navigate because 
there, there's this like Rick Rubin quote that's going around right now that's I think very relevant and pertinent to this conversation, which is that like in true collaboration, it doesn't really matter whose idea it was as long as it's like best serving the project. And that really resonates with me Absolutely, because yeah. I am brought onto projects and sometimes it's for my taste and they want all of my ideas. And sometimes it's a little bit more of a 50-50 relationship. But I think as long as you understand what the filmmaker is trying to accomplish. It's always rewarding kind of putting that puzzle together and whether it's putting a little bit of yourself into it or a lot of yourself into it, there's always fulfillment at the end, kind of seeing it come together. And it's always a challenge because it's not like I walk away from every project loving every single song and something, but it's also great because a song can just entirely change the perspective of what the scene is. I mean, the, the most obvious kind of example of this is like how people, you know, like recut The Shining as a rom-com. And what is the thing that you're using to reframe the story? It's it's music. Right, exactly, yeah. And I think also one of the things that is a big benefit to me in my career is that I do just kind of love everything. Like I'm someone who doesn't believe in guilty pleasures. Like I find joy in pretty much all types of music and, and all artists. And so it's fun to get to play in these different arenas where, you know, with like Gossip Girl and you're using a lot of contemporary pop and R&B and then Rami, there's a bunch of you know, kind of vintage Arabic music and stuff out of Cairo from the 70s. And so it's always fun to kind of learn and, and dig deeper into these rabbit holes, as I'm sure you guys do as fans of music. You, you know, you just, you find those mornings where it's like 3 a.m. and you're like, oh my God, I've been on this blog or been on this Spotify, you know, rabbit hole for four hours or whatever. So, <laughs> Well, I'm curious too about Discovery. You know, so many of these projects that you work on are, feel very like on the cutting edge. It's a lot of new, it's a lot of up and coming artists that you're able to feature. Are you going to live shows, searching for bands? Are you, you know, where do you sort of do your discovery to stay on top of all this cool stuff to put into things? It's actually kind of interesting because when I'm seeing live music is one of the only times when I listen to music that I feel like I'm not like cataloging something. It's rare that I will go to a show and be like, oh, this song would be great for this. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. very like in the moment at shows, which is a nice kind of relief because other times when I'm hearing stuff, I am kind of tagging it in some ways. But, you know, I mean, I spend a lot of time on the blogs that I've spent the last 20 years on or 10 years on or whatever. And then yeah. Spotify is complicated, but I do find Spotify is a great resource. And it is, you know, see, seeing live music, seeing who's going on tour with who, surveying local music scenes. I'm from Philly, so there's always so much like great new music coming out of Philly. And I love that scene it's a lifestyle in some ways. Like it's, it is a driving sense of kind of like discovery almost all the time. You're always excited to find something new. And I've always been a fan of like sharing things. Like I love introducing people to things where it's like, Oh, this is my favorite movie or this is my favorite song or whatever. So I think even as a kid wanting to share those things and experiences certainly informed this career now where I continue to love to introduce 
people to new things. Yeah, absolutely. Were there specific movies or TV shows that you remember watching or consuming growing up that sort of planted the seed or made you say, this is what I want to go into? Almost Famous was was really big just because it was just like, well, this whole story is about music, but also the whole crux of it is the soundtrack. And it like the storytelling tool of music as the narrative. I think that was maybe one of the first things I saw that really kind of like pushed that forward for me. And then as I got older and I was like in the industry, I mean, working on Friday night lights and parenthood was like, Liza is such an iconic music supervisor and the music on FNL and parenthood was just so amazing. And like, I've rewatched even recently, like, 500 Days of Summer, which like Andrea von Forrester just like absolutely killed that soundtrack. It's one of my favorite soundtracks ever. That movie, like crazy. Oh, yeah. We just rewatched like the Before Before oh, Sunrise yeah. series, which is, you know, not not like wall to wall music, but just such impactful things. And I mean, Linkladder and Bombach and Cameron Crowe and, and Mike Mills and all those guys, I think, are just, you know, so good with with music and. I mean, I loved loving basketball when it yeah. came out. And I mean, I love Gina. I love uh, Beyond the Lights and such a fan of her and, and what she's done with music in her films. And there's so many to name. And then, of course, like the OC was huge for me and Gossip Girl. And, you know, so when I got to work on Gossip Girl and like meet Josh and Stephanie for the first yeah. time, it was just like, this is so surreal. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Rob, with all of that in mind, what is the song that makes you scream, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life? The greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life is Case of You by Joni Mitchell. This is very exciting. This is the first repeat artist we've had. This is the second Joni Mitchell song someone has picked. We had last year, MTV News editor Patrick Hoskin picked uh, You Turn Me On, I'm a Radio. And so this is now our second Joni. No other artist has been featured twice. So obviously this is on Blue, her arguably biggest album. What is it about this song in particular? Do you have a memory of hearing it for the first time or, you know, why does it stand out? It's funny. I was, I was talking with my girlfriend about this because it's also her favorite song. (laughs) Nice. Case of You feels like a song that's just like always lived in your bones like you're born with it (laughs) like there's there's this familiarity like it it has no beginning and no ending it blends so many things that i love about songwriting and there's this john bryan interview on radio lab where he's talking about like songwriting versus performance art Mm-hmm. And he's talking about Zeppelin. And he's like, have you ever heard a good cover of a Led Zeppelin song? No, because it's those guys doing their thing. And it's awesome. I love Zeppelin. But he starts playing something on piano and it sounds not great. Right. And then he's like, you know, have you heard someone cover Nirvana Lithium? And he starts playing it on piano. It's like the most beautiful thing you've ever exactly, heard. Exactly, yeah. So it's a testament to the composition and the songwriting and and it's really just i mean obviously her voice the melody all of these things but talking about the covers aspect of it i think it's been covered over like 300 times i don't think oh, there's like yeah. 300 recordings of it but but you can go down a rabbit hole 
and I'm not like a huge fan of covers, but you know, there's the Graham Nash cover, there's the Prince cover, there's the James Blake cover. They all do their own thing. None of them are better than the original, but they're all good. And I think that's a testament to the transformative nature of like a well-written kind of timeless composition. You know, like when you hear like always uh, Archie Marry Me, you're like, oh, this is an awesome fucking, you know, lo-fi, pop, rock, whatever song. But like Ben Gibbard does this cover of it on piano. And you're like, oh my God. You've expressed explicitly your content for matrimony. It, obviously, Ben Gibbard's great, but it's not Ben. It's, it's the song. It's yeah. Molly, and it's always. It's like, it's like that actual composition and the melody, and you're just like, holy shit. Anyway, all that is to say, I just think the composition, like it's such a devastating breakup song in a way that is also still honoring and loving the person, which I think is just such a weird balance because you get so many spiteful, you know, wallowing in my feelings, breakup songs, or you get kind of like the over the top saccharine love songs. And I feel like it's an ode to a relationship that is over, but there's still such a deep love and compassion in a way for the other person even there there's some like really brutal lines in there yeah so yeah i don't that's i mean it just you could talk about it for hours i'm sure it's just you know i'm also interested to talk about you know just because of your position this is a song that does get synced a lot in movies and tv and there were two instances that i wanted to talk about one there's a film called a case of you which does not feature the song i think Joni Mitchell said no to that, which I find. Did, yeah, funny. I think she denied the usage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I also like that they didn't use a cover. They were just like, okay, you know, well, whatever. Yeah. But then also, you know, obviously, you said you worked on Parenthood, and there's a plot line in a later season where Drew meets someone I think at college who says that she loves the song, and then he tries to learn all this stuff about Joni Mitchell and pretend that he's a big Joni Mitchell fan, and then later finds out that she actually doesn't know anything about Joni Mitchell. She just knows it from a movie. From the which, movie, yeah. <laughs> which which I think is is also kind of funny. But Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, I know it has been synced, but I feel like nothing really stands out to me like i i think she's probably very particular about which you know a lot of artists are especially like legacy artists like this they can be very sensitive to certain uses and how it's used and it's not even necessarily about money but it's like what is the intention yeah you know i'm still holding out this like hope for this kind of epic Joni biopic that's coming at some point whether it's you know, I know Taylor wanted to play her, but right. and I don't know who eventually will, but no shade towards, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody or Rocket Man or anything like that. But Joni just feels like a different type of story and a different type of artist. And yeah. in my gut, it says that if and when she's involved in this, because like, you know, there's so many classic songs that we love and that we talk about and the stories about who they're about and what was the inception of this. And there's a mystique around it. And a lot of them have awesome sync moments, whether it's something like under pressure, which is used perfectly. And uh, I think after sun after, after how many years and how how many times it's been synced. And I was like, this is the best 
use of this song ever. <laughs> my, my letterbox review for After Sun was, I'm pretty sure that's the best use of music in a film I've ever seen. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Because look, like Holland Oats, You Make My Dreams Come True, like that kind of stuff where it's like, it's a great song, yeah. but it's used in every rom-com and big studio picture and whatever. And to be able to recontextualize Under Pressure, which has been used in everything forever, to that film and use it in that context was just so masterful because you're you're recontextualizing the song that you've heard as much as you've heard any song in your life. Yeah. And that's that's a skill. That's art. And that was really poetry. But I'm, I don't feel that way about Case of You. I don't know that that exists. And will I be the person to do that? I don't know. Maybe. That would be awesome. But <laughs> people, people always ask me, like, what's an artist or song that you want to sync that you haven't? And it's hard for me to answer because I've synced Taylor, who I love. I've synced The National, who I love. We just cleared a Beyonce song that has like 24 writers on it, you know, like, so it's like, we have, you know, I've been very lucky to one work on projects that people get excited about and we're given the resources to spend on an artist like Beyonce or an artist like Taylor or whatever it is, or Mariah Carey. I hadn't thought about it, but sinking Joni in case of you for something that really kind of felt like not like a rebirth of the song, but a, a, a proper kind of recontextualization yeah. or just like, you know, the way you talk about under pressure and, and after sun. Right. Yeah. You got to give it the, uh, you know, running up that hill moment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I hope stranger things doesn't use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Rob, thank you so much for coming on and talking about uh, this song and so many other great songs. If people want to be looking out for what you're working on next or just keep in touch with you online, where can they do that? I deleted Twitter and my mental health has been wonderful since. Whew. Congrats. So you can f you can find me casually posting on Instagram at uh, Robert Lowry. <laughs> Nice. Thanks so much. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Thank you guys for having me and for the thoughtful questions and, and conversation. Thank you for listening to another episode of This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. If you like what you heard, and I really hope that you do, please follow us on social media at Great Song Pod. That's GR number eight Song Pod on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And uh, be sure to subscribe. Leave us a rating and review. Maybe tell a friend, an enemy, or a lover. Special thanks to Catherine and Izzy who helped co-produce the show. To Skylar Spence whose song Kratos and Love is our theme music. And of course, to you for listening. Look forward to talking to you next time.